0: I want you to get your Bibles open. We're going to look at several verses as we go throughout the message tonight. I'm going to preach tonight on the subject, the error of Balaam. It is interesting that the book of Jude deals with apostasy. And what is interesting in the, in the study of apostasy, it is always always a well-liked personality that leads people astray from the truth it's always a well-liked personality and sometimes we pay more attention to a personality than we do the truth that the person is teaching or preaching one of the things the bible warns us of is to make sure that we don't judge the bible by the person but the person by the Word of God. And so tonight I want you to use your Bibles and I'll give you uh, several passages to look at and more uh, toward the end of the message uh, and as I preach tonight about the error of Balaam. Heavenly Father as I have prepared now for uh, some weeks to preach uh, this message tonight uh, that would help us in uh, uh, preparing for Uh, not just the education of our children, but the way uh, you teach us to live our lives as Christians uh, in the Word of God. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand uh, that we have been called out of the world. That's what the word uh, church means. Uh, Ecclesia means, Lord, to be called out from the world, a baptized body of believers, And I pray that you'd help me as I preach tonight. Give me wisdom, I pray. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It is obvious reading through three different passages of Scripture in the New Testament uh, that deal with the man named Balaam. Uh, that he was uh, the cause of a great deal of problems uh, for the people of God. And uh, you see that Balaam becomes an example. Uh, Jezebel was an example. Her name, uh, because of her wickedness, became uh, synonymous with uh, wickedness. And any time the name Jezebel is referred to in the uh, New Testament, uh, all the way through the book of Revelation, uh, it is uh, like that of worldliness. Egypt represents the world all the way through the Bible. What was this error of Balaam? What what did he do? Uh, that caused such a problem. The story uh, is fairly long and uh, covers uh, several chapters in the book of Numbers. And the next place you'll read with me is Numbers chapter 22, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there. In three different passages in the New Testament, it talks about this error of Balaam. For example, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says... And listen as you turn, having eyes full of adultery, lustful eyes, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Well, there's a lot in that and every little phrase full of meaning and then we come to the text verse that we read uh, woe unto them for they have gone the way of Cain that's one of the personalities uh, in Jude that led in an apostasy and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward now in second peter it says love the wages of unrighteousness in jude uh, the bible says uh, for reward Then in the book of Revelation in chapter 2, the Lord Jesus is writing to the church of Pergamos. He has written a letter to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And of the things he said to the church at Pergamos, he said this, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. Now a doctrine is the teaching of any belief. Uh, And and, and the doctrine of Balaam, we'll learn what that error was in a few minutes, who taught Balak, B-A-L-A-C in the New Testament, B-A-L-A-K in the Old Testament, which was the king of Moab, to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. Now those three passages of Scripture connect to numbers chapter 31 and verse number 16, and I'll read that for you. Behold these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now that's what the end result, or that's what the Bible says to warn us about this error of Balaam. Here's a fellow that loves the wages of unrighteousness. Here's a fellow that wants to be rewarded. He's not living for right, he's not living for God, he's living for uh, reward. You want to be careful not to follow somebody that's living for reward. And that's what Balaam is doing. And he led the children of Israel in bad counsel to commit such a sin that it brought the judgment of God on them now let me tell you the story and the story covers three chapters and we wouldn't have time in one uh, uh, sermon uh, to cover all of the chapters so I'm going to summarize and read some of the verses. Uh, Numbers chapter 22 uh, is where uh, we will read next. The children of Israel uh, were on their march to the land of Canaan. Now by this time when we get to Numbers 22 uh, they've just about finished their journey in the wilderness and there before uh, the Jordan River just ready to pass over into uh, the land of Canaan. Now don't miss what I'm about to say God told them. As you pass through the wilderness, don't you be distracted uh, by the ungodly. Don't, Don't you settle for anything less than Canaan. I didn't deliver you from Egypt to live in Moab. I didn't deliver you from Egypt to live anywhere except to get into the land of Canaan. That represents the victorious Christian life. And I want to warn you about being attracted by these people. Notice what the Bible says uh, in Numbers 22, beginning in verse number 1. And the children of Israel uh, set forward and pitched in the plain of Moab on this side, uh, Jordan, by Jericho. And Barak the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. Now they had a testimony and God was with them and this fear that this fellow has is a justifiable fear. I mean, he should uh, have a fear. Verse number three, And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are around us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Look at verse 5. He sent messengers, therefore, unto Balaam, uh, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him. Now, before I read what he told him, uh, Balaam is not a Jew. Uh, he is a Gentile prophet. And he is a prophet of God. In fact, God will reveal several visions to him in the three chapters of Numbers 22, 3, and 4. So Balak said, I need to talk to the prophet Balaam. And uh, I need you to bring him to me. I need his help. I'm afraid of these Jews that are coming by it. Now, if we can just give some thought here, uh, parenthetically uh, to this thinking, uh, this is what Hitler said about the Jews. We're afraid of these folks. And if we don't destroy them, they're going to destroy us. And that, that, that wasn't true, but, but that's what he said. And the world is always, and and, and it's an ironic thing, if you step back and think about it, it's an ironic thing, they warn the world about the Christian. And they advertise their booze. And they advertise all of the things of the world that really do bring destruction. And then they point to anybody that might be anything uh, out of the ordinary. And I'm going to tell you, we need some that are out of the ordinary preaching the word of God. Now let's look and see what he said, saying in verse number five Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee. It's interesting how the world uses those words. Curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me peradventure I shall prevail that we might smite them and that I may drive them out of the land for I wot that he whom thou blessed is blessed he said I've recognized that you that the people that you blessed they're blessed and he whom thou cursest is cursed now what he didn't understand uh, Balaam was not a prophet unto himself a prophet doesn't give his opinion he speaks what thus saith the Lord. And so the reason the people were cursed that he had cursed is what God had said. And the reason the people were blessed that were blessed is because that's what God had said. Now, please stay with me uh, in the story. Rather than reading the three chapters, I want to summarize and get to the point of the message tonight. Now, uh, this Balaam is a good prophet of God. And when he is asked, uh, in fact, you'll find in these uh, uh, next verses that he's offered money. He's offered a house of silver he's offered all uh, that Moab has to come and curse the people of God but he refused to do it he said I'm not gonna do that I I can't curse the people of God he said there's no way I can do that so Balak the king of Moab sent to Balaam the second time hear me well the devil never gives up coming after you and me Uh, we often wonder Lord when will this battle be over they call it a funeral That's why every day we have to put on the armor of God because never does the devil cease to attack God's children. And so the second time uh, when he came to him, Balaam said, Lord. And this second time he asked the Lord, the first time he said, absolutely not, you can't go down there. And you know these are my people and you know he is the enemy and you cannot go down there, let alone curse my people uh, or uh, he would suffer the consequences of doing so. He asked God the second time. And if you read the wording, it's like God said, if you're going to do what you want to do, go on. So Balaam gets on his donkey. And he starts making his journey to see the king of Balak. Now while he's going, there is a a, 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 a captain, there is a soldier, there is an angel uh, that stands in the way of the donkey. Now Balaam can't see that angel of God, he can't see it. But the donkey does. Now, it's pretty bad when donkey is smarter than the preacher. That's pretty bad. That's exactly what's happening. And so the donkey turns from the path and runs out in the field. I read that story. I thought I had a mule like that. It never would do anything it was supposed to do. But it would run in the wrong direction fast all the time. That's exactly what this donkey did. Well, he took a stick, uh, he took a rod, and he beat that poor donkey. The donkey got, got back on the path. This time they went a little further down the road and the Bible says they were at a place in a, uh, where there was a rock wall on each side and the angel shows up again. When the donkey sees the angel, this time he tries to turn and he pushes up Balaam's leg and foot against the wall and the wording of the scriptures says he crushed his foot. That's, that's a wording. So he takes his rod, he takes a stick, and he beats the donkey again. Third time, back on the donkey. Leg hurting, foot crushed. He's going to see Balak because he's promised a reward. I want to tell you, the devil will pay your way one way. He'll he'll give you the first cigarette. He'll give you the first beer. He'll give you the first drop of liquor. He'll give you the first way out. The devil always will pay for that. So this time he's going... And that angel appears again, and the donkey just sits down. Balaam takes the rod, and he hits him again. And the donkey says, And the donkey says, The donkey starts talking to Balaam. Balaam is so dumb, he starts talking back to the donkey. He said, If I had a sword, I'd kill you right here. That's what Balaam said. You read the story. He said, If I had a sword, I'd kill you right here. And, and the donkey said, I've been good to you all the time you've had me. Haven't I been good to you? I and mean, can you imagine this dumb preacher? He's, he, can't, he can't walk because his legs hurt and his foot's crushed. He's beat his donkey half to death, and he's having this conversation with the donkey. Can I tell you something? Sin will make us stupid. Always makes fun of The world, they don't care about fellowshipping with you and me. They care about making fun of us. That's what the world wants to do. Balaam won't quit. Boy, if we had Christians determined as much as Balaam was to see Balak and see what the reward was, if we had them as determined to do right, boy, we'd have revival in our country. But old Balaam, he finally makes his way to Balak. Now, the story continues, and, and, and it's a long story. And he actually builds a, 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 an altar, seven different altars. And he offers two animals on each one. And it's surprising to me that God responds to Balaam. And he gives him three different visions. Uh, and, and, and And God hasn't given up on him. And Balaam tells Balak exactly what God said. He said, look... You can't fight God's people. God's on their side. That You can't defeat them. They're going to go exactly where they want to go, and they're going to go by the hand of God. The best thing for you to do is just leave them alone, let them march on through, and get to the land of Canaan. And Balak says, but I need you to curse them because we're afraid of them. And if you bring a curse on them, uh, then uh, we'll stop them and they won't take our things. They weren't interested in taking their things. Uh, but anyways, you go through the story, God continues to speak to him. And every time he tells them, uh, you better not curse the people of God. Balaam then suggests to Balak, He said, I'm not going to curse them, but I will tell you how you can trip them up. If I curse them, I'm going to get in trouble with God. But I'll tell you what you can do to, to trip them up. If you convened a religious feast, you can honor Baal, you can honor whoever you want to honor, but just have a religious feast and then invite the Jews to attend. Now that feast that they commonly had to worship Baal, it involved not only idolatry, it involved immorality. And immorality, adultery, fornication is listed every time with Balaam. Now you stay with me tonight. And that would be if they attended that feast and they had fun with those people that were heathen, the Moabites, why in the world do you want to go to Moab when there's a land flowing with milk and honey? There's joy, there's gladness, there's happiness just beyond the Jordan River. Why in the world do we want to even take a pit stop at Moab? I don't know. But he said if you could get them to the feast and they started having fun in fellowship and they started having fun in the party, they'll commit idolatry and you'll get some of them to commit immorality and if you do that, God will judge them. That was the error of Balaam. It was the sin of compromise. It was the sin of fellowship with the world when God said our fellowship is not to be with the world. It was the sin of dropping God's standards of protection to fellowship with those that they could not resist their sins. That is why God had told them to steer clear of the Moabites and the Midianites. He did not want them to take up uh, the uh, common and typical sinful behaviors of those people. But Balaam, a prophet, just enough truth in him to him, uh, to get them to listen to him. And he said, you know what? It would be all right if you went to the religious feast. I mean, everybody has a right to worship who they want. By the way, that's a lie. You don't have a right to worship who you want. The Bible said you're supposed to worship the one and only God, the creator of the world. Uh, we, We don't have the freedom to worship who we want. We don't have the freedom to worship how we want. God told us who to worship and told us how to worship him. But he did this getting them to compromise their standards of separation and Balaam underhandedly sought to replace spirituality with sensuality and consecration with carnality. God's people are supposed to be consecrated to the person of God. Now we are warned to stay away from the error and the way of Balaam. Those that say it's all right to have fellowship with the world, you need to think, nope, nope, that's what Balaam said and got him in trouble, I'm not doing that. Those that say it's okay to have fun with the ungodly, Those that say it's fine to hang around the places of the ungodly and the places of immorality and the places of drunkenness. No, sir, it is not so. The Bible warns us three separate times in the New Testament using this Old Testament story, and it says stay away from the places of the world. You know why? Our flesh will be tempted, and you hang around the wrong crowd long enough. You'll be taking part in their sin, and you then are going to forfeit. God's blessings and God's goodness in your life. We must understand that the only interest the Moabites had in the children of God was to bring them to ruin. And that's what Satan wants to do to us through this world. Hear me well. Uh, the devil wants to use every means he can to destroy the minds and hearts and bodies and souls of our children, of our of our uh, young adults, of our families. God uh, warns us against uh, uh, being uh, in the world for fellowship. Do you know the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? I don't know about you, I don't want to round him. I, I, I don't want to round the devil that would ruin my life and my marriage. In the month of June, and I mentioned this before, in the month of June, the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus recorded a song. And in that song, that is entitled, We Will Convert Your Children. It's one of the most frightening things in fact it to me borders on it, 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 it borders on crime I want to read the words they, they, they put this out you can find it on the internet think about this here's the song lyrics this is the gay men's choir of San Francisco you think we're sinful you fight against our right you say we all lead lives you cannot respect. But you're just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. It's funny, but just this once, you're correct. Did you hear me? I'll read to you again. You think we're sinful? You fight against our right. You say we all lead lives you can't respect, but you're just frightened. You think we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. Here's the chorus. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. You can keep them from disco, warn about San Francisco, make them wear pleated pants, we don't care, We will convert your children. They go on to sing. We'll make them tolerant and fair. Just like you're worried, they'll change their group of friends. You won't approve of where they go at night. And you'll be disgusted when they start learning things online that you kept far from their sight. We'll convert your children. Yes, we will. Reaching one and all. That's really no escaping it, because even Grandma likes RuPaul. I don't know who that is. The world's getting kinder. Gen Z's gayer than grinder. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. The gay agenda is coming home. The gay agenda is here. You say, well, preacher, I think sometimes you go a little bit overboard about preaching against Internet and cell phone and television. And They went ahead and said what they're going to do. By the way, I have have a question. I asked the attorney general's office this question. What does it mean to convert your children to homosexuality? What does that mean? What does it mean to make an alcoholic out of somebody? You give them alcohol. What does it mean to to make a drug addict out of somebody, to give them drugs? The gay agenda is not about being free or having a right. It's about immorality. It's about a sickness. And they're using television and cartoons and Internet, superheroes, educational systems, critical race theory, Most all major businesses and organizations in the United States are supporting the agenda. And preachers and Christians are in fear. And they'll use the word, well, we're supposed to be nice. We're Christians. And then there's Balaam that says, I don't really think there's anything wrong with you going there. I don't think there's wrong, anything wrong with this. I mean, they've got to learn at some point. Folks... It's a shame if you take more care to protect your tomatoes than your children. Now, the way of Balaam says compromise is fine. And the error of Balaam, we're warned three times. I don't know about you, but that, 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 that frightens me. I, I knew it was true. We knew what was going on. But for them to sing a song. God has called us out of the world to be his children. Now take your Bibles and let's look at some verses. Look at 1 Peter 2, 9. 1 Peter 2, 9. Now some may say I'm preaching hate and I'm absolutely not. Because the Bible says whosoever will. The gospel is free to all. I don't care what the sinful behavior is. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. And we must preach about it, but not just preach about it. We have to talk to our children. We have to have conversation with your children to say, God does not put up this fence to keep you from having fun. He puts up this fence to keep you from being ruined. They picked me up at the airport in Mexico City on Wednesday afternoon. We're going down the road, and they're four cars wide. There's not a single stripe on the road. I said, "How do you know which?" Well, there's not a lane. How do you know where to drive? He said, "If it's open, you can drive in it." I-, I don't know how. I don't know how they survive. In fact, most of I never saw a concrete barrier it didn't have some 15 colors of paint on it. And every car had a base coat and then it had scrapes and stripes of all the other cars they've they've gone up against. Folks, the Bible puts up guardrails and guidelines. I'm not preaching to be mean. I'm preaching to say, hey, we better be careful. We don't want our children to be destroyed by any sin. We don't want them destroyed by the alcohol of this world and the drugs of this world. I don't want our children destroyed by the lazy behavior of our world. We're supposed to be Christians against all sin. We're supposed to live right. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I like living in the light. I like living in the joy and the happiness of God. I like living there. I don't want to go live in the darkness. I've been set free from the darkness. I don't want to go back to there. God wants us to be different from those. Take your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, go down to verse number 17. Ephesians 4:17. here's what the Bible says. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as of the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so, be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Take your Bible and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'll close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The Bible teaches this throughout. God is not saying, I don't want you to have fun. I don't want you to enjoy life. I don't want you to uh, uh, have any pleasure. He's not saying that. He's saying this fence is put up here to keep your life from being destroyed. If you do what I say, you'll have joy and gladness. In fact, if they throw you in jail, you can still be filled with joy. You can still enjoy life knowing that you're in the will of God. I'm not saying tonight and trying to create a spirit of hatred or hypocrisy that says we're better than them and we want them to perish. We don't want them to perish. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But they'll never come to the place of faith in Christ if we condone the sinful behavior. And folks, they know it's true. They know it's true. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Bilal? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. What's the error of Cain? The error of Cain says that preacher is trying to keep you from having fun. He preaches too many standards. He preaches against too many things. And you are big enough. You can enjoy the world and be a Christian too. That's the error of Balaam. Error of Balaam said, I'm not going to curse them, but I'll tell you how to trip them up. You get them to fellowship with you, and they'll be acting just like you are. And when they do, God's going to punish them. And that's exactly what happened. I don't want to be a Balaam. I want to be a man of God, but not that kind of a prophet. I want to be the kind of prophet that says God loves you enough not only to save you, but to tell you how to live a life that brings joy and gladness. Stand with me, if you will.